0: Oh, well, good morning. Um, as an introduction, I, I want to start off this morning by saying that it's a real honor to preach today, especially on the topic that I'm preaching on, but also at what is happening in church history right now. Um, I g- let me give you a little bit of church history. as uh, You know, as, as our church is celebrating 50 years next month, right? Praise the Lord for that— uh, we are celebrating this month the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. This is a big deal for those of you uh, who may not be aware. So 500 years ago, on October 31st, not just about Halloween, Martin Luther, he went to uh, the door uh, of Wittenberg, the Church of Wittenberg, and he nailed up his 95 theses. And basically what this event did is sparked the Protestant Reformation, the, the split from the, from the Roman Catholic Church at that time and a lot of the corruption that was going on. And what I want you to understand is really what drove Martin Luther to do that was his discovery, so to speak, of the gospel of grace in the Word of God. So as he went off to, to study, the, the priests didn't know what to do with him. They kept sending him to seminary to learn more than to teach. And, and as he learned the scripture and he really saw what the scripture taught, because at that point it was always taught uh, to the people by the priests in a language they didn't understand. And as he translated the word of God, as he taught the Word of God, he discovered the great gospel of grace, which led to really the, the birth of us being here today, is why we're not sitting in mass right now, is why we're here. So it's a really great opportunity, a really great time in our history. I just wanted to say that, especially because of the topic today, as I'm teaching on the Word of God. So here's what I'd like to, for you to do. I invite you to stand. If you have a Bible, please open it up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. If you have a, your phone app, you can open up on that too. All of our notes are on the Bible app, so you can open it up there. And let's see what God has to say to us. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed and the thing for which I sent it. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? So listen, you know, there's an old saying, right, uh, about there's only a couple things we can really count on. Death and taxes. We've all heard that, right? Well, I'll tell you what, um, I grew up in Chicago, and uh, I learned there's two more things you can count on. That is road construction in the summer and really cold, snowy winters. Okay, I I learned that really quick. Uh, And whenever I read this passage in Isaiah and it references the snow, you know, I always think back to when I was a kid. I was about six years old, and the great infamous blizzard of 1979, you know, hit the Chicagoland area. Now, there's been a couple big blizzards since then, but I was a kid, and that was the formative one in my life and my growing up. You know, uh, I think over two days, uh, they averaged the Chicagoland area. Some places got more. Uh, but they average about 21 inches of snowfall over a couple days. I mean, it was a big deal. You know, I remember, like, being able to climb up and, like, jump off my roof into, like, snowdrifts. I mean, it was beautiful as a six-year-old, right? Um, you, you know, so we, we, we really, we know there's some things we can count on. We know there's a lot of things we can't count on. You see, we all desire to have stability and consistency in our life. You know, we live in an age to where there's some kind of change going on all the time, every day. You know, whether it is you know as a parent we see our kids growing up, and that type of change. You know, whether it's you know whether it's new technology, you know that comes out like every day, and everything's always obsolete, right? Uh, new laws being passed that we have to we have to keep up with. How many people got tickets when they? Um, When they did the cell phone thing you can't talk in your cell phone in your car Maybe you don't want to raise your hand, but you know I mean like it. I Didn't Um, I know people that did and I won't publicly shame them Um, But you know I mean there's all this change it's hard to keep up with and it messes with the stability and the Consistency that we want did you know? that about 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety About 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety, and issues of change, unpredictability, worry, all those things fuel that, there are issues that fuel that. From the time that I was born to the time that I went to college, my family moved about five, maybe six times growing up, okay? Um, and over the last 21 years that Dawn and I have been married, we've moved. I always lose track. It's like nine or ten times. Okay? Uh, that's a lot of change. It's a, it's a lot of change. Um, you know, Dawn, my wife on the other hand, you know, she never moved. Well, until she met me. Right? She, she, she never moved. Um, this year is one of those years where all of her family uh, will come together at Christmas And we will all come together and be at her mom's house, which is the house that she grew up in. That's just weird and different to me. I don't have that type of baseline. But that's something that people need. Experiencing that type of stability is something that people need. So in our search for stability and consistency, in our desperate search to find something that we can count on, I think there's about four things that people tend to grab onto. About four things. I think the first thing that people tend to the first thing that people tend to grab onto is other people. You know, we, we look to relationships, um, you know, that will always be there for us. Now, part of that is really good because we're designed to be creatures of community how God made us. We reach out to people for stability. Or we hold on to promises that have been made for stability. Trusting that someone's word will be kept, that a contract will be honored. Or maybe we, 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 we look to places as being stability for us, like going home. You know, at the holidays or those special getaway places that we have, maybe that we go with our family or our friends. Or we look to possessions. I think it's the fourth option that we look for to stability. Possessions such as our homes, you know, or certain products that provide some kind of promise to provide an anchor for our lives. You know, and I'll tell you what, you know, businesses are smart. Fast food places, big box stores are really smart because they tap into this desire for consistency and stability that we all have. That's why you can walk into a Lowe's, you know, here in Springfield and go to Lowe's in, like, I don't know, Michigan, let's just say, and the store's kind of laid out the same. And you kind of know where to go and everything looks kind of familiar. And it, we like that. We like that. And we give them our money over and over and over again. Smart business. Now the problem, though, comes in when these things fail, and fail they always do, don't they? People move. People pass away. People's lives and priorities change, outside of our control, and so these relationships that we look for st- for stability are suddenly gone. Kind of rocks our world. Promises that have been made to us are broken or they're forgotten about and we're wounded as a result of that. Places change. Places get destroyed in the midst of all the natural disasters that we've been experiencing the last month around the country, specifically. You know, where life just happens and suddenly you don't have the means to get to that place anymore. There was a, there was a A a hiking trail up in Wisconsin that I grew up going to. My aunt and uncle lived up there for, well, my aunt's still up there for, ever since I was a little kid. Um, Actually, they moved up there in 79. Like, I think the blizzard kicked them out of Chicago. So, um, but there was this hiking trail um, up in, up in Wisconsin. We'd go visit them, and we'd always hike this trail, and I remember I was probably in college, and and I went up there, you know, for the weekend to visit, and I wanted to go hike at this trail that I love up through the bluffs and everything. And, and But they had a, some really bad rain that year, and it washed out the trail, and it was closed. And no one could go in. And I was like, that's my spot, though. That's my place. You know, and it, it did something to me emotionally. You know, or we looked at our possessions. Our possessions, they wear down. They break. They get lost. They lose their luster. You see, these things that we place are... Hoping so to speak for stability and consistency in our lives always fail us at some points And this is where the result of our anxiety frustration disappointment um, It all this is where it comes from we place our hope and trust in things deep down that we know is going to fail us That's why you feel uneasy Because deep down, you know, these things are going to fail We have a misplaced trust in people and things that when they fail, it leaves us feeling insecure. But here's what we know. We know that God is eternal. We know that God doesn't change. And because that's who God is, God's word, therefore, then, is true, is stable, and reliable. Because that's who God is, and so that's what His Word is. Let me read to you in First Peter, chapter one. I'm actually going to start in verse twenty-three. It says, "Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God." we get in twenty-four. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen? You see, We see in verse 23 this contrast of the imperishable and the perishable. Everything of this world is perishable, yet God's word, according to Peter, is imperishable, and he's quoting Isaiah in this passage. Okay? You see, in an ever-changing, perishable, unreliable world, we need to have an anchor for our lives. Something that is always there. Something that is always true. Something that we can always count on. God, in his love and grace, has given us his word to be that for us. So, we are going to look in Isaiah 55 and see exactly how God has done this. Okay? So, the first thing we see is in verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, what these two verses teach us, it's clear that God is above and beyond us. The theological word for this is transcendence. He is beyond us. There is a great distance between God and man. There's a great distance. He is righteous. Man is wicked. His thoughts are limitless. Our thoughts are limited. His ways lead to life, and there is a way unto man that leads to death. But then we get to verse 10. Verse 10 is glorious. For as the rain and the snow... Come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You see, we get to this picture in verse 10 of a beautiful picture of rain and snow falling from heaven. You know, I don't know how you feel about winter, but when the snow falls, it's beautiful, isn't it? And this picture is of the rain and the snow falling from heaven to earth. Now verse 11 goes on. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. You see, verse 11 um, clears up the picture and says it's a picture of God's word coming to us. Of God spanning the distance between heaven and earth. So as we have this one picture of God being beyond us, his transcendence, yet we have this picture that just in the next verse or two of his imminence, it's called. That he's come to us, that he's near to us, that he's come down from heaven to us. You know, when all the prophets of old proclaimed, thus says the Lord, or declares the Lord, those were moments of heaven touching earth of the transcendent becoming imminent, of God's Word spanning the distance between Him and us. Now ultimately, ultimately, we have Jesus, who according to John 1 is called the Word. Say it loud, is called the Word. Word. He's called the Word. He came from heaven to us. Flesh and blood, living out the truth of God's word, spanning the gap of heaven to earth, providing us a way to the Father. John 1:14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In just a couple months, we're gonna celebrate this. And one of Jesus' names given to us in Matthew chapter 1 is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. John 3:13. Jesus says, "No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of man." Jesus, I came down here from up there. I am the living word come to you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, "Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens." Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You see, listen, what makes Christianity unique and what makes Christianity true? It's not about us being good enough to ascend to heaven. It's not about us working hard enough, being good enough, doing all the right things earning our gold stars so we can work our way up to heaven. No. What makes Christianity so unique and how we see it to be true is that God, in his love, he saw our sin. He saw our brokenness. He saw our wickedness. He saw our unrighteousness. He saw our limitedness. And he said, I love them. And because of his love, because of his grace, Jesus comes. The son of God, the second person of the Trinity, wraps himself up in flesh. The fullness of God dwelling in bodily form, Colossians tells us, comes down to us to rescue us because we needed rescuing. To provide the way to heaven for us, not based on our righteousness, but based on his righteousness. Amen? That's the gospel. That's the good news preached to us. It's a gospel of grace, not a gospel of works, just do hard enough, make a name for yourself. No, this is about trust in the God who loves you, and who came down to earth for you. You see, God's word fills the distance between God and us. The second thing we see from Isaiah 55, Isaiah continues in his word picture and says that God's word provides seed for the sower and bread for the eater. You see, we can count on God's word for our nourishment and for our growth. We feed on God's word. We feed on it. It's good food to eat. It's good food to eat. You know, when we celebrate communion, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, remembering the work of, the work of Christ, you know, he says he's the bread of life, is what John 6 says he is, the bread of life. Now, I'm a big fan of food, obviously. Okay? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, whatever. All right, anybody with me? Big fan of food. Amen. All right. Especially if the, in the title of the food it's like chicken wings, ribs, deep dish Chicago pizza, and anything with bacon. I don't really care what it is. You throw bacon on it and bam! It's magic that happens. It's Christmas every day. Right? Because here's the deal. Life is too short to eat bad food, isn't it? No, life is too short to eat bad food. So We all make it a priority to eat, don't we? You're gonna, you ate before you came, probably, and you're going to eat when you leave. Some of you bought something at the cafe, sipping on a drink right now. We make it a priority because food is what nourishes and strengthens and grows our bodies. And it tastes good, too. Do you prioritize feeding yourself on God's word? Not just showing up here once a week or so and cracking open your Bible or pulling up your phone and just reading the screen. That's not what I'm talking about. But really reading, really meditating, really chewing on a passage and digesting it so it becomes a part of your life. you prioritize feeding yourself on God's word you see God's word shows us what is sweet to eat and shows us what is bitter it shows us what's good and shows us what's bad God's word is often described as honey as honey and back in this time and even to some degree in our time honey is costly isn't it It is costly, and it's sweet to eat. It's sweet to eat. Psalm 119, verse 103, says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You see, without the truth of God's word, without feasting on this book, we can't understand nor discern what's good for us to take into our minds and our hearts versus what's harmful. We need God's Word to be able to do that. If we don't have God's Word as our standard, I mean, we'll just take in whatever. And most of the things that the world throws at us that's put before us is destructive. It's destructive. God's Word shows us what things can be redeemed What things in this world that are pictures of his grace can draw us to Jesus, but it also shows us things that should be rejected as well. That's what God's word does. It's one way it nourishes us. You see, God's word also gives us wisdom and gives us understanding so we don't live foolishly. God doesn't want us to be fools. Proverbs 1-7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. We know all these things because God's Word shows us. So my question to you is, are you feeding on God's Word? Are you feasting on God's Word? Do you read God's Word as much as you eat? Do you spend time in God's Word as much as you read other books or watch sports, which some of you will do for hours today? You will not nourish your spirit and grow in maturity without feasting on his word. The last thing we see in Isaiah 55, here's our anchor right here. Here's our home run. God's word always fulfills its purpose. It will achieve its purpose. It will succeed. God's word is always true because God is faithful and God doesn't change. You see, we always bring this back to the character and person of God. You know, a few weeks ago, the world was supposed to end, wasn't it? You can't trust man's word. You can trust God's word because God says, Jesus said, no one's going to know the day or the hour, yet people keep saying days and hours. People all know. Husky fit. So, what are the purposes of God's word? 2 Timothy chapter 3:15 says a purpose of God's word is to make us wise to salvation. It goes on in the next few verses in 16 and 17 basically saying God's word will grow you in maturity. It will equip you for everything that you need to be competent Psalm 119, verse 25, says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life, according to your word. You see, God's word also gives us life. It makes us wise to salvation. It grows us in maturity. It gives us life. And then Isaiah fifty five eleven says it gives us security. It gives us security. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not Return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So here's my question to you. When you, when you are experiencing chaos in your life, worry in your life, insecurity in your life, where do you fly to? Do you fly to a person or a place or a possession or a promise that someone made to you? Or do you fly to Jesus? Do you fly to his word? Do you fly to your anchor? you got to train yourself to go there. Because left to ourselves, we'll fly everywhere else, won't we? You have to train yourself to go here. There's a, man, there's a dear hymn that I love written by Isaac Watts hundreds of years ago. He wrote this. He said, and the first verse of this song is, laden with guilt and full of fear. Man, that's us often, isn't it? More often than what we want it to be. Laden with guilt and full of fear, I fly to thee, my Lord, and not a glimpse of hope appears, but in thy written Word. The volumes of my Father's grace Does all my griefs assuage And here I behold my Savior's face On every page Beautiful and true If you don't truly open your heart And submit to God's word It will never prove itself true to you and that's not a failure on God's word. That's you and I not living up to our end of the deal. of flying to him, to his word. You know, I talked about Martin Luther earlier. Martin Luther was terrified of God. As a young man, as a young monk, terrified of God. Because what he knew was this judge in the sky that was waiting to smite him. I always like to use the word smite in the sermon if I can. It's a great word. You no, know, Martin Luther was terrified of God. And then as he got into the scripture, as he began to really read and study, and, he, and as, I'll tell you what, one book in particular, Galatians, wrecked him in a good way. Because he discovered a God of grace. And he's like, everybody has got to hear about this God. Everybody's got to be able to read on their own about this God. That God, in his righteousness and judgment, will rightly judge sin and punish sin. But he is a gracious and good and merciful, loving God who has provided us a way to him through Jesus, all because of grace and love and mercy. That's the God we need to talk about. And that is the purpose for which this word will always come true with. It will succeed because God said it will and we can trust our God. Amen? Amen. So, people, I will say, as we just hit this last part, there's a lot of people that mock the trustworthiness or reliability of God's word. And I'll tell you what, Many of them have not really read it. Nor have they read it to truly understand. They have not submitted themselves. And part of this whole thing of submission is that we place ourselves underneath the Word of God, right? Not over it. I'll also say people, no matter their age, no matter how old they are, can be absolutely immature in their faith with no true wisdom, no understanding, because they don't faithfully read and study and learn and memorize God's word. I don't care how many gray heads you have on your, hair, on, your, on your head. You can be a baby still because you are not feasting on this. And our younger generation needs you to take your life experience, submit it to God's word, and get wisdom to pass on. Too many church-going Christians are hanging their hats on things they learned in children's church or youth group 20, 30, 40, whatever years ago. But here's what I'm going to tell you. God's Word is living and active today. What are you learning now? What are you learning today? How is He growing you today because of your devotion to the truth of His Word? This has got to get real for you, and it's got to get real right now if it's not. So I'm going to give you five simple steps to take so you can learn, grow, and be firm in counting on God's Word and grow, okay? Five simple things. First one is this. You just need to read your Bible every day. I mean, every day, just read your Bible. If if you are not on the Bible app, get on the Bible app and subscribe to the verse of the day. It gives it to you. I mean, my goodness. You could be the laziest person in the world and still read your Bible every day. It doesn't matter what you read. But you have to read it. You have to feast on it. I love recommending, I mean, Old Testament books, I love recommending Genesis and Exodus because it's just one big story of a bunch of messed up people that God still intervenes with. I feel much comfort in (laughs) that. Proverbs are great. Isaiah, Isaiah, I love Isaiah. It's like the gospel of the Old Testament to me. Mark, very fast-paced about Jesus. Acts, a story of the early church. Romans, rich in theology. Ephesians, talking about a book that builds up the gospel of grace. Love Ephesians. 1 John, loves on every page and every paragraph. Those are great. I'm doing my Francis Chan now. <laughs> great books to read. There are Bibles you can get with no chapters and verses in them. They're awesome. The Bible app has one of them. It's called Books. Um, the ESV translation actually has a, a, a thing called the Reader's Bible. And they take out, the, listen, the chapters and verses are not inspired. They were added thousands of years later. And I'll tell you what, when you read a Bible without chapters and verses, you just keep reading. It's amazing what your brain does. Highly recommend that. And then also when you read the Bible, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to open your mind and heart to teach you. You have to ask him. And he will, because that's his job. Second thing you could do is read a chapter or section every time you eat. We talked about this, right? Feed your body, feed your soul. Put verses on your wall. Have your Bible next to you. Every room in my house, my wife has painted scripture on our walls. It's every, it's everywhere you go. Okay, it's a great it's a great. But every time you eat, feed your body, feed your soul. Here's the third one. Read one chapter or section once a day for a week. Don't get all hung up on like, oh, i got to finish this book. i got to finish. No, maybe God wants you to just plant there for a while and really get this truth that he's teaching. Fourth thing, come to a quip on Wednesday. I mean, really. It is a great opportunity for you to grow in your faith that we just... I mean, we just, we lay the table out for you. It's like Thanksgiving every week, okay? I mean, the food's not as good as Thanksgiving, but the food's good too. We're doing like a family meal thing now at like 5.30. So, uh, but come to equip. We always have a class or a teaching that is expository in nature going through God's word Then other offerings to help you in your life as a Christian. Uh, and the last thing I'll say, the fifth thing you could do is join a men or ladies Bible study. We're in the fall. They've all kicked off again reading and talking about and studying God's word with a smaller group of other Christians is extremely helpful for your growth you never outgrow you never age out of being a disciple don't think you've learned it all because you haven't keep pursuing keep learning keep flying to God's word because you will not get revelation and you will not get transformation in your life without God's word in your life you won't I'm going to invite uh, Dan to come on up as we just end this. I, I, I want to I drive this home and just make it a little personal for you. If you're going through life right now and you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling insecure, these are things that you're dealing with maybe right now. You may not be, it might not be the only issue, but you may not be really feeding on God's word, counting on God's word as you should. I want to encourage you that God's word will always achieve the purpose for which God sent it in your life. So, are you anxious? Are you struggling? Are you worrying about something right now? Do the changes of life cause you feelings of insecurity? Have you placed your trust in Jesus? The word that has spanned the distance from heaven to earth. Because if you don't have Christ, you really got nothing. I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come down. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. And if you have a need, if you are feeling anxious, if there's a worry in your life, if you're feeling like you haven't had an anchor, this point of stability to hold on to, if you have not placed your trust in Christ, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with someone down here. Don't leave without the opportunity for this. Let's go to him together in prayer now. Let's Let's bow our heads. Father God, gosh, you are good. You are gracious and you are merciful. And you are the one we can always count on. Father, you have given us your word, the Bible, that's come down to us like the rain and the snow from heaven. Personified the person of Jesus Christ. And this word will always fulfill its purpose. It will give us that anchor, that thing that we can always count on in a world that always lets us down. So Father, I pray for my dear friends here. I pray for those who are dealing with anxiety. Pray for those who are dealing with frustration, who are dealing with worry. Lord, I pray for those who are, who, have, <laughs> who don't know you personally, who, who are not tasted of your salvation Lord I pray that they fly to you now thank you for being so good for allowing us to, to open your word give us the opportunity for this revelation, for transformation do a work in us now Lord we pray this in Jesus name, amen come